I'm Amy from Bruja and welcome to Brew Happy, the podcast that invites you to be part of a conversation. We're looking at how marketing companies and professionals can consider the bigger picture rather than being entirely focused on product, copy and deliverables and all in the time that it takes to brew and enjoy a cup of tea or coffee. So pop the kettle on and we'll get started. Today, I have the real pleasure to be able to welcome Erica Watts, Head of Employment and Training at Sovereign Housing Association to the show. Erica, welcome. Thank you ever so much for joining me. Hi, Amy. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Erica, I was wondering if you would be able to tell us a bit about yourself and what the role of Head of Employment and Training entails. Of course, yeah. My name is Erica Watts and I've been at Sovereign since last September, been working in employment and skills and within the housing sector for the last 15 years. And my role really is to head up our employment and training team and and look at how we can support our residents to access opportunities, um, to provide them with support to access training, vocational work placements, ultimately get them into work and better work. Although we are a housing association, first and foremost, we've got 60,000 homes across 59 local authorities and we house up to 140,000 residents. Our role is to actually be more than the bricks and mortar. Like what can we actually do to help them realise their opportunities and how can they get access to things that can, can help them flourish? Oh, brilliant. I'm, I'm actually really interested to know a bit more about Sovereign and and especially how things will have changed in the way that you operate in response to the last 12 months or so. We've talked a lot as a sector, as a country, as a, as a, as a globe <laughs> about how we can look at digital opportunities and moving things more online and becoming more accessible and pretty much overnight everybody had to do that in order to, to maintain business as usual before the pandemic, 95% of our provision was face-to-face in communities and actually quite a lot of it in people's homes. As soon as it went into lockdown, we took that entirely digital. And for us, it has created a real opportunity because we've realised that people do and will engage online given the right support and the right infrastructure. And it completely changed the way that we delivered our services. So for the first kind of three to six months, definitely there was less focus on, on work People were in crisis and and panic. It was very overwhelming for lots of people for lots of different reasons. We were able to adapt the way that we deliver our service and what we were able to offer people more of of a support connection for a lot of people. There's a lot of welfare calls. We took the opportunity to do outbound welfare calls to residents who we knew maybe or were more likely to be vulnerable. So we could actually reach out and kind of see what it is that they need and let them know that we were there and, and what we have on offer to help them. We talked a lot about kind of digital infrastructure and 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 reducing digital exclusion for residents and we've had lots of aspirations around that and actually very quickly we had to mobilize programs that could make the difference so you know laptops for lockdown to help support children do their schoolwork and also parents you know get into digital infrastructure so that people can stay and be connected and continue to access not only support from us but day-to-day activities that they need accessing DWP for benefits advice and support accessing housing services and banks, everything, trying to support the best as we can for a really difficult time. It sounds like the changes that you had to implement as a result of the pandemic are are going to be permanent changes. Is that right? I definitely think we have learned a lot. um, And I think it's a really unique opportunity. You know, when do you ever get that opportunity to take a breath and pause and think, actually, is this the right way to do it? You know, 
we're so embedded into delivering our services and making sure that people get what they need. You don't have the opportunity to actually reframe or think, is this the best way to do things? And I think for us as an organisation, you know, as I said, sovereign work across 59 local authorities, that's really difficult to provide a face-to-face service to everybody that needs it. It's impossible, in fact. Before March last year, we were providing exceptional services. It was probably to quite a small number of our residents because of geographic restrictions. And what this has allowed us to do now is take a step back and think, actually, it's great. And face-to-face support is absolutely needed for certain people. But what it wasn't allowing us to do is to help as many people as we could. So there was a trade-off. And I think now what it's allowed us to do is, is think about that and develop what we like to call our universal offer. So that actually we don't get that postcode lottery. For us, it's really important that every sovereign resident can access a basic level of support from us, regardless of where they are. By having a blended approach moving forward, digital infrastructure, lockdown or no lockdown, is important. It's crucial. And so we want to continue to support our residents to access that and to access our services. We've managed to support over 1,300 people in the last 12 months. That's, That's amazing. More than most years that we've had a service. You know, we're not a particularly big team. Um, during lockdown, we only actually had four employment and training officers but to be able to provide support to that many people given the restrictions that's more than we did the year before without without the pandemic so I think it's given us an opportunity to look at how we can make sure the support is relevant to to residents that it's what they actually need it's in an area and in a way that they can access it you know previously people go to kind of job centre appointments or employment support appointments and have to get bus journeys or struggle with childcare or don't feel that well that day you know a lot of mental mental health conditions and physical mm. disabilities that make it difficult for people to travel there's no need if they can access support with people without having to go through all those challenges why would we not do that for people and the other thing for us is we also want to work with people who are already in work you know this isn't just about getting people out of the benefit system and into a job this is actually allowing people to kind of realize their aspirations moving forward so better work career paths upskilling and actually a nine-to-five service doesn't work for everybody by doing it online or over the phone we're actually able to speak to people in lunch hours out of mm. hours some people don't want to speak to us at all they want email contact and um, you know and other types of support and it really opens up how we can actually support them too mm, absolutely It sounds like you are having to deal with a very wide range of situations and people. And as you say, you know, you have a lot of individuals with very specific needs and and situations. When you said kind of all different walks of, you know, the different types of residents, you know, I think that's really important is there is a social housing tenant doesn't look like any particular thing. A social housing tenant can be any, anybody. People are in social housing for all sorts of reasons and social housing is, it's a huge range of, of housing types. So, you know, we have people who are in temporary housing. We have people who are in, um, you know, assured tenancies, as you would kind of probably typically think about social housing residents. But then we've also got shared owners, leaseholders, market renters, you know. And actually, it's really important for us to understand that the needs of those individuals, the approach that's required by those individuals and, and how we can best meet their needs. You know, typically employment and skills services have been designed and developed, I guess. And, you know, for, in the most part, they're people that need our services the most or the most urgently. But it's changing, you know, it has changed dramatically in the last year and that we're seeing people who are in shared ownership properties in management positions. But actually the pandemic has, has hit them just as hard and and they now need our help. Well, we've got, you know, there's millions of people in the UK on furlough. So for the minute they're employed, but very quickly that they may also become part of 
the population that needs some help to get back into work. And this is about how can we kind of help people to, to reframe themselves, look at their transferable skills, upskill, change direction. And actually that's just as overwhelming for somebody who's never needed to claim benefit before as somebody who has done that for quite a while and for completely different reasons. There's no harm in everybody kind of reaching out and getting some help where it's needed. When I was having a, a read about Sovereign, one of the projects that really caught my eye was the Isle of Wight project that you've got going at the moment. As, a, as an Employment Skills Provider, as I said before, you know, we've got this aspiration to be able to offer a universal offer to all our residents, you know, regardless of where they live and who they are. But we also recognise that at certain points in time or in certain geographical locations, actually, some communities need more help or a more targeted or focused approach. And for us, the Isle of Wight is one of those areas. You know, they've been really significantly impacted by COVID. The unemployment numbers on the island have doubled throughout the pandemic. Um, and it's a it's a obviously a coastal area that relies heavily on retail, leisure and tourism. And none of those things are there right now. You know, they already have kind of quite a cyclical seasonal employment structure and they just there just are not those opportunities. Sovereign have about 6,000 properties on the island and Southern Housing Association also have about 6,000 properties on the island. So for us, you know, we, we want to be able to, to do what we can to support residents to recover and to support them into opportunities, you know, post-pandemic. We developed a programme called Skills for Work. It's funded by the European Social Fund and managed as part of the Solent Support and Employment Programme, which is managed by the Isle of Wight, Hampshire and Isle of Wight Community Foundation. Um, and what it's done is given us an opportunity to develop a, a programme worth £100,000, which is specifically for residents of the Isle of Wight. So we've been able to attract £50,000 worth of external investment and then Southern and Sovereign have match funded that. What we've been able to develop is an employment support programme specifically on the Isle of Wight for residents of the Isle of Wight who are currently out of work. Um, and it gives us the opportunity to provide a much more tailored approach. We understand that the journeys for some of those people especially if they were previously unemployed, already had challenges and, and barriers to employment, actually they're now likely to be exacerbated because, you know, there's lots of people competing for, for not very many jobs. Um, it's quite unique in the fact that obviously to get off the island to, to get work, you know, in Hampshire or wherever, then you've, you've got to factor in the, the ferry costs and the commute. So we developed this programme, which is going to support 100 people over the next 18 months. And it's working with obviously our partners, Southern, working specifically or primarily with residents of social housing properties, but really importantly, bringing together all of the existing partnerships. You know, I think what's really important about the way that housing associations approach employment and skills is we're not trying to do it instead of somebody else. We're trying to be the organisations that can bring added value to those arrangements. You know, there is already a Department of Work and Pensions who is there to put people into work. We have employers, there are training providers. We don't want to be any of those things. What we want to do is, is bring those together and provide support where there are gaps. So colleges are incredible at providing training courses, but they don't always have the capacity to provide the wraparound support. Um, employers have the jobs, but they don't have the vested interest or the capacity to provide pathways into those roles. And that's where we can add value. So one of the organisations we're working closely with is the foyer. Sovereign actually has a, a foyer which houses vulnerable young people on the island. And it's trying to work with, you know, those young people and actually create aspiration but also opportunity. How can we actually work with them to provide them what, not only with the support, but with the vocational qualifications and the mindset to actually take their first steps into 
work or a career. As part of the programme, we're working with the Isle of Wight College and linking up with employers on the island to actually create pathways into things like care opportunities. We're hoping later on in the year to do something around the renewable energy industry. Um, you know, typically those jobs are there on the island, but our residents may not necessarily be able to access them because they don't have the kind of prerequisites. So it's actually how can we bridge that gap and make those opportunities that are there real ones for, mm. for our residents. Another area we're looking at on there is self-employment and business startup. Often, you know, there's lots of support and grants and programs around business startup. But what we find often is that there's not as much support around maintaining or growing your business. Or if you have a skill to sell, actually, how can you make a legitimate business out of that? Because that then doesn't rely on seasons. How do we set those people up with kind of the confidence and the infrastructure and the knowledge to actually then trade in their own right? Something that you just said, the different providers that are that are within this industry. And it strikes me that the housing industry is made up of an awful lot of, of these components. Am I right in thinking that each of these sectors within the industry are somewhat separate from those around them and that they're, surely there's a way of bringing them together and aligning these disparate elements so that the people that Sovereign is supporting and, and that other housing associations are supporting are, are getting the help that they need. Yeah, the employment and skills sector in housing has been growing for a long time. I think it's, you know, obviously I work in the sector, so I might say this, but I think it is a bit of an unsung hero. You know, we're, we're doing it for a different reason. We're not doing it because um, people are mandated to access our support we're not doing it because we make money out of providing this support we're doing it because we want to help improve the lives of our, of our residents and and help create flourishing communities like I said so I think for us we've been developing these models for quite some time and but the value is when you can collaborate in any particular area we may house a thousand people well we can't bring opportunities of scale to when we've got 140,000 residents, you know, we can't do everything to the same level in every area unless we collaborate. Employment and skills within housing has now, we are coming together as a sector much more. URSA and the IEP and the Centre of Excellence for Community Investment, you know, are all forums that help bring organisations together to help look at how we can collaborate and make the most impact together. And skills for work is a great example of that in that, we saw that we had an opportunity on the Isle of Wight to support our residents with some more intensive support. Southern were in a very similar situation. So rather than us both have the project on the island to do exactly the same thing, we've come together. But more importantly, in collaboration with other organisations on the island, you know, we need the job centres, the employers, the trainers, the community organisations, the referral partners, you know, the health and social care providers, the leaving care teams, the probation services, you know, we need them all to be part of it to, to make it what it can be, you know, because mm. they're working with the people that need it the most. They're the ones that can relay that message. Our, our role is to provide that support and, and get it to as many people as we can. But people are at very different stages in their own journey. And so we need to make sure that all of those organisations are on board. You know, colleges are great at kind of engaging their students to do the training but what happens then? We need the employers involved, you know? Um, where do they find the students? Are, are we able to actually make sure that those who really need that opportunity but have a barrier because they either can't afford to travel or they can't afford any associated fees or they don't have the childcare cover, 
that's actually where organisations like us can come in because colleges don't have the funding and the capacity to do that, but we do. And that's where we can use money like that to actually make an opportunity that's already there. You know, I'm not trying to suggest that we become a college. We can't. What we can do is make those opportunities accessible for other people that might also be able to benefit from them. And, you know, that is the beauty of it. We're now all working with organisations like Business in the Community. You know, they do an amazing job across the country about bringing together employers and corporate organisations to help employers, you know, large organisations understand how they can how they can make a difference. You know, lots of organisations, I think, want to, got the will, but they don't know how to. Um, and it's actually trying to get those conversations going, those collaborations between um, organisations who can and want to and those who do and actually what can we learn and share from each other big corporates have huge kind of foundation programmes in their own right they're already there and they're phenomenal um, the co-op, Pretamanje you know, all those organisations have programmes existing but do our residents know how to get into them, how can we we don't want to recreate those programmes what we do want to do is provide support and a conduit so that they can access them and if it doesn't go right first time or they need more support to make it happen, we can be there to provide that. For me, it really is about bringing those things together. As a huge employer ourselves, we can also do our bit to actually support them internally. You know, um, Sovereign work really hard to actually support residents to access our own vacancies and access our own training programmes. And I think we're going to talk a bit about it later. But Kickstart is one of those opportunities where we can actually bring people into the business to actually start their career journey. And sometimes that job doesn't work out first time. You know, some people, for whatever reason, they start a job and it doesn't work first time. And again, that's where we can step in, actually. OK, it hasn't gone right that first time. Let's go back. Let's start again. Let's carry on. So, you know, really to bring it all together, to make to make sure that that kind of that whole package of support is in there so that somebody can actually realise the opportunity. And um, we don't want to be the college. We can't be the sole employer. But what we can do is, is bring it together to make the most of the money that is available out there, either through investment or bursaries and grants and government funding and, and bring it together. So actually that the money goes to the right people at the right time so that they can make full use of of it in its entirety. So I think the other real opportunity for me moving forward is kind of how we can, you know, have that conversation with businesses about how they can do more, how they can do more kind of in their own right, but also how they can do more with organisations like ours. Um, and one thing we have looked at as an organisation is actually a new way to measure our impact and actually looking at our social value. So yes, we look at how many kind of jobs we've achieved last year, how many people we've supported into training, but actually looking at what that means, like the so what, we work with Hacked to use a social value indicator and that kind of puts a monetary term on the things that we've achieved, but it allows us to give a much broader picture of the impact that it's had. That value kind of includes our impact around, yes, jobs and training, but also improvements to health and well-being, access to advice and guidance services, the ability to access kind of um, financial support and, and being more financially independent. And so it really gives a much richer picture of the impact that we're able to have for people and, and communities. So what we're now looking at is how we can broaden that out into our supply chain. So actually using it as one of the ways in which we procure our goods and services as well. Um, and looking at how we can actually maximise our opportunities and our impact via our supply chain and our procurement. How can the organisations that we work with directly 
how can they maximize what they do for our communities whilst they deliver the services for us and and we think that's going to be really powerful so we're quite early on in the journey of that but actually if somebody's coming to develop for us or supply our paper or whatever actually you know as long as it's proportionate we, we want businesses to be aspirational but proportionate to the values of those contracts corporate social responsibility is not a new concept organizations have always wanted to give back or things have been written into contracts but actually a do, do they always happen and b are they actually the right activities to really make that difference are we able to look at mentoring programs live well programs are we able to actually leverage some of that money as money so that we can actually invest it into the programs the communities and the organizations that we already work with so Again, it's trying to not reinvent the wheel and actually get that resource to organisations who are best placed to provide those services for our communities and, and trying to use that not only as a direct provider, but also as, as a procuring organisation. Would you mind telling us a bit about Kickstart? So Kickstart is a £2 billion investment that um, has been launched by the government at the end of last year. Essentially, it's a job creation programme to allow young people to access real paid work opportunities for six months as a way to kind of step into, into their career. The prerequisite is that they'll be claiming universal credit and they're aged 16 to 25. Um, and then organisations from all over the country are creating opportunities that are over and above existing jobs. So they're brand new opportunities that are specifically tailored at young people accessing those, um, those workplaces. So Sovereign are part of the Kickstart Housing Partnership, which is led by Clarion Housing Association. Um, and is creating over a thousand jobs all over the country. Sovereign, as an employer ourselves, are creating 40 of those placements right across our business. Um, and we're actually hoping to welcome our first cohort of Kickstarters in, in May this year. As an employer, it allows us to actually open up our organisation and, and provide real opportunities for young people who we hope will go on to become staff of the future you know if there's opportunities at the end we it would be amazing for them to then be able to use that as a pathway into their own career within housing but at the very least have six months of high quality work experience with great references and the confidence to actually go off into into the wider world I guess and and get a role and um, going back to kind of the employment and skills element of it yes we're an employer that's going to create a job for a young person as an employment and training service we're going to provide much more than that and a really great element of kickstart is that there is a mandatory element around kind of um, wraparound support for that young person so making sure that they are receiving employability support and skills development and professional development so that it's not just them coming in to get a job it's actually about how can they grow their opportunities and their skill set so at the end they are better placed to to stay in that job or find a new job. So at Sovereign, we're creating um, a mentoring programme. Um, and we've also got a dedicated employment and training officer who will just work with the Kickstarter so that we can offer kind of peer support and learning, workshops, one-to-one -one advice and guidance, um, and actually work with them, not just at the, throughout their placement with us, but actually for a further six or even 12 months after they leave. I can imagine that the knowledge that they will be supported for an extended period of time will also add to the the increased confidence and the and then that would then lead to as you say that realization of those aspirations and i think that's that's, that's wonderful erica thank you ever so much this has been a genuinely enlightening conversation if those listening would like to have more information about sovereign and, and also the projects that you've talked about where would the best place be for them to go to find that 
So you can find more um, about our programs on our website, which is www.sovereign.org.uk. And yeah, feel free to drop us a line. You can email us at employmentandtraining@sovereign.org.uk. So if you'd like to find out more, or if anybody um, works within a sovereign operating area and you'd like to kind of see how we could collaborate or get involved, then we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for us, you can drop us a line at podcast at brujamarketing.com and we look forward to answering your questions and starting that conversation. And so I shall leave you to the rest of your day and I look forward to sharing a cup with you next time. Till then, have fun.